Living God, help us to hear your holy word so that we may truly understand that understanding we may believe and believing we may follow in all faithfulness and obedience, seeking your honor and glory in all that we do. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The first scripture reading this morning is from the fifth chapter of Luke, verses 1 to 11. It can be found in the Sanctuary Bible on page 62 of the New Testament. Listen now for God's living word. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both nets, uh, both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Reveal, O God, your wonder to our eyes. Open our hearts to Christ's love and despair any darkness from our minds, fill our lives with our light, and protect us from thoughts without action, and guard us from words without life. Grant us wisdom to walk in your ways, and open us always to the guiding of your Spirit. Amen. Our scripture this morning is a story of Jesus and Simon and the fishermen. And Simon, this is the Simon who will, as he journeys with Jesus, be given the name Peter. Now, Jesus gets on Simon's boat. And this is Simon Peter, the one who will eventually be called the Rock, the one who will establish the church. Simon Peter, the disciple who Jesus turned to again and again and again, saying, O ye of little faith. But Simon Peter didn't have a choice about this Jesus. This rabbi, this teacher, just got in Simon's boat on his own. God sometimes has a way of doing this in our lives. 
God doesn't ask permission. God doesn't wait for a response. God just goes ahead and gives grace and compassion and hope. God just gets involved, and we are different because of God's initiative. So Jesus does just this as he steps into Simon's boat. Simon was busy preparing or busy washing the nets from a long day's work while Jesus was teaching the crowds who had gathered. This means that Simon was not listening as Jesus taught the crowd. This means that Simon was preoccupied. This means that Simon was focused on the stress and the bills, the Roman taxes, his family's needs. And these are the stresses when the fishing boats do not bring in their catch. Jesus gets in the boat crowds in with the nets, continues to teach. And then Jesus tells Simon to navigate out to the deep part of the sea. And there he says to Simon, drop your nets for a catch. And there's wisdom in Simon's response. I appreciate it. We have worked all night long and we have caught nothing, Simon says. Now, my friend Mike repeatedly offers an aphorism that's usually attributed to Einstein. I love Mike, but he's not that smart. He says that the definition of insanity is people who do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. You would not believe the number of times I have heard him say that over and over again, expecting something to change, and yet little does. I digress. But when Simon says, we have caught nothing, it sounds a lot like something Mike would say. As in Jesus, you are certifiably insane. Now Simon's tired. He's, he's stressed. He's got his family to feed. There's the collectors of the Roman Empire who are making demands. And, and Simon didn't ask for Jesus to drag him out to sea for a futile fishing trip. They keep putting their nets in the water. They haul them out. The results have gained him little. But it will be different on another day. Jesus is the one here saying, though, it's time to try something new, Simon. Try listening for what God is doing with you. Simon lowers their nets, listening to Jesus. If you but say, we will follow and the nets begin to fill with fish, so much so they begin to break so many fish that one boat cannot manage, and so they call the other boat over. We need your help. There are so many fish, though, that even the two boats can barely manage. The ways of God are like this. God transforms life and continues to transform life. God creates life. God changes the human situation, the situation in our lives by setting the world right when something 
is going wrong. God just does this sometimes. The church, the work of the church in worship and mission and our relationships is to be prepared always for what God is making new. It's not easy. Marianne McKibben Dana, a Presbyterian pastor and writer, tells a story about thinking new. In her book, God, Improv, and the Art of Living, a book that we will, you will have a chance to read as part of Lenten Book Study, if you participate, I highly recommend it. She tells the story of a church in Houston, Texas, that reoriented its thinking. It was an Episcopal church in a challenged urban neighborhood and next door was a liquor store and one wall of the store was regularly defaced by graffiti by gangs and of course it was the one that was facing the church and the wall kept being repainted by the store owner and church members and the graffiti would return and it was frustrating because it was a message that the gangs were sending about whose turf this was. And the store owner and the church grew frustrated. Then the church decided to take a different approach. They hired a local artist to paint a mural. But instead of just painting over everything, the artist was asked to incorporate the graffiti, the tag signs of the gangs, into the mural. The artist did not hide the symbols in the art or, or highlight them, just simply included them. And it was a way of the church and the store owner to say, we see you. We know there are problems and there is despair. We know the neighborhood has needs. But they took something that was at times destructive and tried to bring life into it. They embraced a part of the community that was hard to love. Now there's no happy ending about change in the graffiti, but there is a story about a church transformed. There's a story of a neighborhood that was learning a new way because a church was learning a new way. God is doing something new, something different, something life-changing all the time. And when God reveals something that awakens us to what God is doing, new life, new relationships, a new experience, a new understanding comes. Finding a faithful response might come in hours or days, sometimes even years, but understanding God's guidance, God's leading, is not automatic. It can take time, and it can also require something of us. It does not just happen because God steps into your boat Simon had to set the sails. He had to listen. He had to give up his resistance. Understanding what God is up to requires 
a whole community at times, a whole church. It requires people coming together like the church in Houston to create a new vision. Many minds to sense where God is guiding. Pam Drizel is a pastor at Trinity Presbyterian Church in Atlanta, and she asks simple questions about the church as she tries to reframe people's understanding of church beyond general assumptions. Two questions I heard her ask recently were, what is the church to you? And what is the church and why does it matter? We could ask ourselves these questions right now. Why why don't we do that? Why take a moment right now, grab those pens or golf pencils in the pews, take your bulletin, and scribble what is an instinctual thought in your bulletin. What is the church to you? What is the church and why does it matter? I'll give you a moment. What is the church to you? And what is the church and why does it matter? These are questions that ask us to get to the basics, to get to what is at the heart of what the church means for us. That's why when Drizelle asks them, they are simple and they are broad. What is the church to you What is the church and why does it matter? It's important to ask ourselves what it means to be the church. Not just when we do strategic planning or thinking about a new ministry. It's important to ask ourselves all the time. It's important because of how God's grace forms us and reforms us and reshapes us again and again throughout our lives. In this story of hauling in the fish, fishermen and boats become the church. It's hard to see when you read it in the English, but if you read it in the Greek, when we get to that part in the story, when they cannot bring all the fish in with just one boat, they call over to the partners, partners, come here. That word, partners, is translated from a word that means fellowship, a word that is used again and again to mean church. Church, come over here and help us. We cannot do this on our own. 
The church is not the boat, it's the people in the boat. It's the ministry that the boat serves. And by participating in something that God is doing, these fishermen, well, they become church. And when they return to the shore, these fishermen receive a new call from Jesus. They are to follow. They are invited. They are asked to come and follow Jesus as disciples. They are given the task of helping people see what God is doing, what Jesus is doing. And just like bringing in an amazing catch of fish, they have witnessed God's mission and are called to tell the story to others. Now, God does something beautiful here with these fishermen. God, in Jesus, chooses to live with people and to work through people. And Jesus illustrates what God can make possible. And as Jesus begins his ministry of teaching, he chooses to live and work through these people and calls these fishermen to use their gifts and their identities and calls them into a new way of using using those gifts for the mission and purposes of God in the world. God invites people to participate in making God's mission alive in the world. There's a theologian who says God's mission has a church. The church doesn't have a mission. God's mission has a church. And when God comes without asking and transforms a human situation, when when the people see it and say to their partners, their fellowship, and their friends, and their community, come alongside us, because we need you. We need you so that we can experience what God is doing in a fuller way, a bigger way, a greater way, and that is when the church is fulfilling its call. Church isn't a place we go. Church is not something that we have. The church is us, the people, the fellowship, the relationships. What is church? And why does it matter? Jesus will get involved in our lives, whether we ask him to or not and often in unexpected ways. Your pastor started out in the wine industry, or actually started out baking bread in college, then went into the wine industry, and then started taking seminary classes and became a pastor. God does unexpected things with people, and sometimes they're even humorous. The church is a community of people who God has given gifts and they use their gifts to tell God's story in their lives. The church matters because these gifts are often lived out quietly in people's lives. But the church, the church welcomes these gifts, brings them out of hiding. The church brings gifts that God has given people And allows them to open up in the relationships and in the community, both within the building, but also out in the city. 
Gifts are revealed because when Jesus gets involved, the people respond by getting involved in none of us. When that happens, none of us are the same. Howard Thurman once said something along the lines of, your call is where your passion meets the world's great need, and you come alive when your passion and the world's need meet. Another reflecting on Howard Thurman said, and doesn't the world need more people alive, alive where God is doing something new? So when you step out of your boats onto the shore, when you recognize something that God is doing, ask yourselves, what is this church and how am I a part of what is church? What does it mean to me? And how is God calling my gifts into the community? May we always give thanks for God who does things new, who opens our eyes and our ears to see and hear what we didn't know was there before. All glory to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this day and always. Amen.